Well, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to continue our series on uh, living the disciple-making life. What is, it, what is it that Jesus has called us into, and how do we follow him in every aspect of life? Uh, but this morning, you have a real treat. You don't have to listen to me talk. Uh, we get to listen and learn from uh, Steve Hadley, our brother from Wales. Wales is a, Wales is a country uh, next to England. Uh, it's its very own place. Uh, they, they talk really beautifully. Uh, their flag is the coolest of all the United Kingdom flags. Uh, and uh, it's filled with rolling hills and greenness, uh, things that we don't really quite understand around here. We just have like abrupt mountains and flatness and dryness. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got to see them in the Czech Republic uh, several years ago, like four years ago maybe. Uh, and really... Uh, yeah, it was just them and the group from their church. It was just amazing to uh, learn from them and, and to see just how, how passionate they were uh, for who God is and what he's doing amongst their, their people in their neighborhood and on their street. And so, yeah, they're here on a holiday and a look around, a look about. That's Australian. Uh, but they're here uh, in California for about a month. Um, and so they're going to be traveling around, but they're also going to be around here. So hopefully this sparks your imagination for hanging out with people. Steve, how about you come up, and I'm going to pray for, for you and for Wales. Um, if that's okay, all Wales. All of it. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I also, I was... It's not massive compared to... Right. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in a where people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to drive onto the other side of the country. It's 45 minutes away. So um, that's a Portugal joke that no one got. Anyway, let me pray for you because you have better things to say than me. Uh, Jesus, uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to open up your word and to hear your voice and allow it to transform our hearts. Thank you for your creativity and your inspiration in these words. Uh, thank you for, for Steve and his willingness to uh, speak and to share with us today. And God, I, I pray as well for revival and renewal uh, in Wales. I pray that your spirit would uh, yeah, break down walls and, and build people up and that, that we would see and be witnesses to a wonderful, great revival uh, in that place. And we pray that that they would be able to taste it and see it in their lifetime. Uh, we pray that uh, from house to house, uh, people would come to know your grace and your freedom, and they'd be able to walk in abundance, and knowing that they are your children, sitting at your grand table, uh, just feasting on, on what you've provided. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I pray for us as a body that we would hear and that we would listen. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well. Wow. He's got me already. <clears throat> right, okay. This is kind of where I end up leaving my notes. And I believe you're all about this. A disciple, am I on? Can you hear me? Disciple making life. You guys... I believe we're in this place because you want to make disciples or want to be a disciple and, and want to make disciples, want to grow as a disciple. And, and the challenge is, uh, what is the challenge? I'm going to put that out there. 
even as I come and I prepare to speak, and our gatherings are a lot smaller than yours, so the worries and the anxieties of what it is to speak and try and preach truth. I was just reflecting on you. Some of you guys, uh, animators, you know, you take some of those Marvel books, you look at some of those original pictures, and you think, how am I, as a movie maker, how am I going to portray it in such a way that it captures? The truth, the originals, the documents that are here that I want to I wanna, I wanna do it justice to the original drawers, the original writers. And whether it be you're trying to preach the multitude or whether you're trying to disciple the ones and twos, I wonder what is in, in what you can imagine in my head as I'm thinking, what's the best way to engage with people? What's the best way to so grip them with the good news of the gospel, the awesomeness of our God and what he desires to bring, and then translate that into your everyday living, how, how am I going to best communicate? What's the best way? What's the most powerful way? What's the best resources? What are some of the things that maybe you can rely on apart from being spirit-empowered? What are sometimes we rely on or think is most important? Don't be shy. I've, lift, I've listened to some of these, and, and you guys are, are vocal. Yeah. Family and friends Okay, so you can almost like bring them here. You, maybe you're gutted because there's some kind of Welsh random guy here, rather than Brad and Trip, who would usually preach. And you, there's a confidence in people's gifts, people's characters, the love of the environment that they find themselves in. It's not just upon you; it's upon other people. Yeah, you can rely on. on the family, family of God to support you. Yeah, anything else? Church fathers, right? That yeah. There's such a long history. So even if you don't understand something or you find something trying in your faith, you can look back. You yeah. Know, people that have been dealing with the same issues yeah. for a thousand yeah. years. There's lots. There's lots of books that you can read. So if you're a new church planter, you can read upon the history of church planting. If you're just a disciple on the ones and twos and, you, and you're trying to speak in to a specific issue, trying to reach their heart, reach the depth and the darkness of their story and bring them out, you want to read back on how other people have done it, how other people have brought the gospel to apply into that area. Yeah, good resources. The, the, yeah, anything else? There was one here. I was going to say, like, um, corporate marketing techniques. Okay, go on, expand on that. Lights and fog machines. Say that again. Lights and fog machines. Lights and fog machines, yeah. Okay, so the environment, so how things are presented, almost create an atmosphere where they feel they want to engage, yeah. Anything else? My ability to care, my ability to display the gospel, whether it be in yeah, caring for people, uh, resources, even some of the series you've been through already, you know, taking them through the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, taking them through the identity, taking them through this, boom, 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 this is the gospel, taking them through the story, these, these resources, these aids, these methods, all great truth, if I can take them through step by step, boom, they'll change. Does it work like that? 
Yeah, that's where my story starts. Uh, last October, November, we've, we planted, what, six, seven years ago, and uh, very much was won over as we were exploring what it was to do church planting, really won over to a lot of the stuff we were hearing from Soma Tacoma at the time and, and others, just this building community and becoming rooted in your identity in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how that applies into the everyday life, discipling all of life, doing that in a missional community. You know, our village is, what, 3,000 people, not as large as L.A., but trying to intimately involve ourselves in the life patterns and the rhythms of our community, giving our lives to come alongside them and love them and display and speak the gospel and I suppose last October, November, just got to a point of real uh, discouragement, maybe not seeing the multiplication that we wanted, not seeing the growth within the church. In, in the community that we're reaching, an ex-mining town, lots of unemployment, we, God seems to be bringing us there to become the family that adopts the widows and the orphans, the neglected. And uh, part, of the, part, of, part of the thing that God's done in me is just break my heart to love. And, and, and yet, the, as you're loving an environment, as you're loving a community, as you're seeking to reach out to your mission field, so apply it to your context as you're in your workplace, as you're seeking to, to reach out your mission and focus, God gives you a heart for people. He gives you a heart to want to see them come to know Jesus. And so quickly that burden becomes great upon your shoulders. And last October, November, just despair in terms of the... We'd done the tick list going through your series recently. We'd, we, we'd preached through God's story. We'd applied the gospel. We'd gone through the Trinity ID. We'd worked through rhythms. We'd worked hard and loving, one, loving God, loving one another, loving your community. And yet what we seem to see is just a lack of men being willing to step up, being willing to live out what Christ had called them to entrenched in their story and not able to live out and follow Jesus in all areas of life. And I think as I was trying to disciple, I'd just come to a point of despair. It's not working, God. I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm trying as hard as I can. Why are we not seeing any fruit? It's hard to come to those places, isn't it? But yet that seems to be where the Spirit wants to start. The humblest to a point that it's not upon our ability to care, it's not upon our ability to explain, it's not upon our ability to create the smoke and the atmosphere, the clarity of our articulation of the gospel, the creative methods that we can use to grip people. We need the Holy Spirit. All of that is, be careful what I say now, not to undermine what has been said before. The weeks and weeks of these guys talking about disciple-making life. You can work yourself to the ground and those things can bear no fruit. 
because it comes about your kingdom, your work, your strength, your power. And it will either crush you or it will build pride in you. Neither of which is the disciple making life. Uh, I want to turn to, to John chapter... Well, turn to John. Bibles, phone apps, whatever you use. If you don't have a Bible, as I say back home, what a disgrace. <laughs> Lean over to someone with you. Let your Bible be a source for you. John uh, chapter 14, verse 12, we'll start there. We're just going to glance there. So chapter 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whether you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus wants us to be disciple makers, but he wants to do it in and through him. It is about his work. You you see that if we burden ourselves with it being about us and we leave Jesus and his spirit out of things, we are crippling ourselves from the word go. I just want you to, let me read from uh, chapter 16. This passage really gripped me. And then verse... 4b. Jesus says this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So this is in the build-up of Jesus readying himself to go to the cross. Being aware that he is about to leave his disciples, they are going to become sorrowful. They are going to fear. They are going to feel the pressures of persecution, but he wants them to know these things. Verse 5, But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, I will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take... Listen to this. This is how he glorifies Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, Jesus says. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. One of the hardest things in being discipled and then discipling others is sometimes you can be telling the gospel, telling the truth, and actually it can be doing more harm to that person rather than good because it's not in the Spirit's timing maybe. 
Sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to hear the truth when you're broken and you're struggling. You know the truth, but it's not touching you. In fact, it's hurting you even more. Spirit, when the Spirit does it, He wants to reveal the awesomeness of Jesus. Everything that is mine, I want to declare over you. Our confidence is not in our ability. Our confidence is the Spirit's ability. We, sometimes we, we get it all wrong, don't we? And we go about our business, we go about our mission, we go after discipling these people because we want these people changing the Spirit and, and we invite the Spirit in. Have you asked the Spirit who He is already starting to disciple, who He is already unraveling in their hearts, who who is already seeking after Him, who is ripe for the Gospel? Are we joining His mission? Are we ready to drop our agenda and say, Holy Spirit, I'm coming I'm listening, I'm ready, I'm available. I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't got the answers. I haven't got the smoke. Haven't got the skills. I'll try. I'm available. Because our confidence here is that the Spirit wants to reveal everything. I wonder sometimes, as I would be in churning upon this I'm just wondering whether within the church sometimes we have dormant disciples because we have had deficient discipline because we haven't been discipled in the spirit it's all been about the books that we read and the people we admire and the culture that we're trying to join and live up to we feel a pressure and a weight that is not the spirit's And it's tragic. It's tragic that there can be so many disciples within L.A. that don't know the empowering and the leading and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that merely in judgment. I live most of my disciple life like that. And I can still do it today. No spirit required, you know? No batteries required. No spirit required. I can do this myself. I've got the skills. I've been trained. But ultimately that, as we've said, is just going to crush us or build us in pride. You see, we're called to surrender all areas of our life as disciples of Jesus. Our fundamentally that is laying our lives down and asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. Not my agenda, not my way, but His way. Join His journey and stop expecting Him to follow after you. Bible, prayer, doing this, doing that, all great. But if we neglect the Holy Spirit in those things, We can have sung the same songs. We can have heard the same reading from Colossians. We can listen to the same message. 
But if we're not asking the Spirit to illuminate our hearts, because we can hear the story time and time again. We can hear of what Jesus Christ has done for us, and it can just become mundane. Yeah, he's died for me. He saved me. Okay, Sunday done, let's move on. And we don't let it captivate our hearts. We don't allow the Spirit to illuminate. Illuminate how good and glorious this gospel is. And if we do that in our own, then we, are, we will disciple people in the very same way. We will trust in our ability to interpret the word. We will rely upon our creativity to illuminate them. And we wonder why we don't see the fruit. You see, before we started the church, I think that was my story, doing all the right stuff, struggling... But it was joyless and it was burdensome. It was not freeing. I wanted so desperately to glorify, to be zealous for my king. But I'd shut the door on the Holy Spirit. I'd not been discipled to know what it was to walk with the Spirit. And I can remember being in my study. I had a study that time. Now that that we've had more kids, the study is disappeared but I remember being sat in my study and we'd we'd had a a tough week within our marriage and I was fasting that week and there was no clarity on where this church plant was going I had all the books all of them well I think all of them I'd been taught well and I can remember the spirit clearly saying you don't need them Now, take that with a pinch of salt. Not that you take the Spirit's word with a pinch of salt, but what he was saying was, I want you to learn to love me and love your wife. Build on that foundation. Allow me to lead you. Because I was so preoccupied with the right way of church planting, the correct method that would bring the results. And he said, I want to lead you. I want to disciple you so that you can disciple others. You see, this area of discipleship, it needs to come, it needs to be being before the doing. It needs to come from the inside out. It needs, we need to be discipled by the Holy Spirit and our brothers and sisters, nurturing us so that we can disciple others. If we're not full of Holy Spirit discipleship, then what are we to give? We're to receive and give away. Many of us have had great disciple makers. But I hope and pray they've discipled you what it is to listen. What it is to sit in the presence and rest in the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? Resting in the truth. Reading your Bibles and let, let in the Holy Spirit shine. Magnify. So it's not just reading. It's not just ticking, I know that truth. But it affects your heart. It stirs your spirit. That's when you have the ability to speak into others. Because it flows out of you. Because you're so captivated by what he has done for you. Let's get the foundations right. Uh, He is the disciple maker. He is the primary. And therefore the burden is off us. So this idea of us trying to do everything... 
Actually, it is his presence and his power. It's not about us. It's, it's like those films in the Transformers, you know, with these little humans running around with these big, huge, massive Transformers trying to save the world. Who's saving the world here? It's not these little people. The muscle, the power is in the presence of these Transformers. Our God is so much bigger. Our Holy Spirit is so much superior to Transformers. You know why? Because the people that he is leading you, the people that he is breaking your heart for, the people that he will direct you to, he is already there. He is already present in himself throughout L.A. preparing people for you to go and share Jesus. He wants to win lives. He wants to glorify Jesus. during that time of crisis that I talked about earlier. Um, I just had to pray. It's my encouragement to you. If you're in that same place, pray. But I've got this coined phrase that every crisis is an opportunity to put Christ back in his place, back on his throne. I can't do it. It's not about me. I'm not Jesus. There's no need to hold on to Jesus syndrome here. I can allow him to be Jesus and I can sit at his feet and be reminded and let the spirit fill me with the confidence and the direction that I need. And so I just gave time to pray and I continued the duties and the responsibilities that I needed but I committed myself to start praying for these men rather than getting exasperated with them that they weren't becoming anything, they weren't going with, they weren't helping me. It's easy as a pastor to just become and grateful, and moan, and grumble. You hear the Israelite people? It's easy in the church leadership to become like that. And I just said, Holy Spirit, would you do in me what needs to be done in them? And I just started praying. I remember him saying specifically to start praying for these men's hearts that the scales would come off, that their hearts would be softened, that all the stuff that I'm seeking to disciple, that he would melt their hearts. And as I committed that, and as a church, we began a, a month of prayer, just seeing one and two, like one guy particularly just, boom, just one meeting that he, he went to, and nothing completely separate to us, God just melted his heart, softened him. And you could see him, you know, he was, he's, he's a policeman who works on the camp, and he was just telling people and just seeing Jesus working in his life, the Spirit leading him and directing him and fueling him. I saw another guy a couple of months later, a significant obstacle in his life just got removed. Holy Spirit just turned a certain situation upside down, and he started to see through the Holy Spirit's eyes, not through his, his desires and his pursuits. But I want to share one story of a guy who joined us, well, probably the this, this Christmas before I had my little meltdown. And he'd come, he'd returned to us, he'd gone on a church plan to turn to us, and was just hurt, really hurt, angry with church, hated, hated Christians, hated church, hated leadership. 
believed in God, but was, you know, you get to that place, God, you're not answering anything. And we're a, we're a small church plant, and as I said, you know, there's not many guys to kind of help, and so the burden becomes greater. But I can remember just, again, being spoken to, just love him. Because my inclination is want to disciple everything, want to go through his story, want to go and do everything almost overnight, do it immediately. Let's get it all out there. And the Spirit just said, love him. Invest in him. And that can be timely, and it can be frustration, because we're part of a world that is fast forward, immediate, now, 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 now. But the Spirit wanted to do a deep work in him. And it was obvious from the time where we sat down that there was great brokenness. And it was obvious where he needed the truth of the gospel to be revealed to him, where he needed a trust in Jesus and not upon his own ability. That his view of Father God was not what the scriptures revealed, but what he had been shaped through his story. And there was a number, over the course of the year, just a number of times of crisis where he was just angry, frustrated with work, frustrated in his marriage, frustrated with relationships. And I'd feel a prompting, time after time, just to say the odd thing. Hold back, Steve. Say this now. This is the right time. And there was one point more recently where there was a, a big crisis and it was an opportunity to put Christ back and he sat there and you come to these points when you think I am completely ill-equipped for this I've not been trained for this I don't have the right words I don't have the structure I, I don't know what I'm doing and yet Jesus puts you there to speak the truth and I was fearful of being another leader that let him down Another person to apply the gospel in such a way that it just exasperated him, sent him deeper into despising the church and despising God. And I just had to cry out in, in prayer to help. And I listened through all the chaos that was being talked about. And as I came away, I felt I haven't said much. I basically held a mirror up and asked them to review and uh, what they felt called to, what God was doing. prayed with them, left them. And I can't unpack all the story, but it was just magnificent to suddenly, a week or two after, as I continued to pray and ask the Spirit to work in his heart, he sent me a text of all this stuff the Spirit had started to reveal in his life. He started to confront some of his story. Started to be able to admit his own wrong. The Spirit started wooing him to himself, started to glorify Jesus above all the crisis that he was walking through. <laughs> and I'm sad you're on the other side because it's nothing of me. You see, we're called to join, but we're not the primary disciple makers. We are called to speak. We are called to apply these truths. We are called to be vocal and to care. We're, all those things that we talked about, we're called to be those things, but never on our own, never in isolation. And it's been so sweet to see this man just free of the shackles and the chains. Hmm. 
you notice in those verses, verse 8, he'll convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. We don't like talking about sin, do we? <laughs> but, Jesus, but the Spirit likes to convict. He wants to show us that it's not just the manifest and not the ugly heads of our sin, but our disbelief. That's where our sin comes from. An unwillingness to believe in, this, in who God is. And instead, believing in our own ways and our own gods and our own idols. These things will save me. These things will keep me. These things will look after me. I won't believe in the provisions that this God has made. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal those things. So when we come to times of crisis or when we see people in times of crisis, the Spirit is revealing areas that He wants to work through, that He wants to pull you out of, that He wants to show you that Jesus is the better alternative. So the Holy Jesus says here, and He comes to convict righteousness. He comes to reveal the glory of Jesus, to show how good Jesus is. That His life, that His death... That is resurrection. That our lives can be replaced by his life. His death so that we don't have to face death. Resurrected so we can resurrect with him. We can live with him. That Jesus' work is sufficient for us. So that when he shows you this area of your unbelief and your rejection of God, he wants to say this, Jesus satisfies all that. Let me increasingly show you how awesome this Jesus is. But also judgment. He wants to show us judgment that the death of... Let me read those verses. Concerning judgment because the rule of this world is judged. You see those things that tie are those that we're seeking to share Jesus with, the, the shackles that my friend was tied up in of his old story, the shackles that we can often be tied up. Jesus says, if you're in me, Holy Spirit says, if you're in Jesus, they're broken. You're no longer under that judgment any, lo- any longer. Let me reveal your true identity, that you are now children of God. If you are in me, you are like me, you are with me. And so that, ver- that verse in verse 15, all the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine, declare it to you. If you are born into Jesus, if you come to Jesus, repent and believe, chains are broken. There is new life in Jesus. Every spiritual blessing, Paul says in Ephesians, is yours. No longer under judgment. But you're my children. Christian, don't be a dormant disciple. If you're aware that you are frustrated and you don't feel like you're walking with the Spirit, invite Him in. Get people that you see the Spirit in and say, would you disciple me and walk in and be empowered and know in the presence of the Spirit. Repent and believe. Repent that it's, that it's available for you. It's available for all. It's not just available for special Christians. It's available for all those who come to Jesus. 
So don't believe the lie, believe the truth. He's ready and waiting and desiring to not see a dormant Christian, but to see you blossom, to see you come alive, to see you come out of hibernation and become a beautiful light in the area that you're working in, the area that you're discipling in. If you have grieved the Holy Spirit, repent and believe. If you are holding on to all baggage, then repent and come, and he will come and display himself to you. There are dormant disciples, but there are also dead disciples. There are people who are not yet disciples, that are dead, that need the Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit who will turn us from enemies to children, who will turn the spiritually dead to spiritual life. It is he who will awaken us. He will illuminate the truth of what Jesus. Some of you will sit here week after week. You will hear other people communicate who Jesus is. And it's it's boom, boom, it's out. It's not taking any effect. And you need to cry, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to me? Make me alive. Make me free from this bondage that is being spoken of. And let me become a fruitful disciple of yours. Let the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to you. Lifeless hearts need animating presence of the Holy Spirit. As we speak of Jesus and him crucified, it's just not a phrase that we hear time and time again, but it hits us in practice every time. There is the the multifaceted aspect of the Gospels are preached. It illuminates and changes us. We need the Holy Spirit to do that in us and through us. As we've been walking through L.A., <laughs> there's some scenes that I don't think will, um, will go easily. Um, and that's not us being crashed into the back of. <laughs> Second day here, trying to learn to drive in, in a new, new country, driving on the other side of the road. Smash! But it's not that. It's seeing lots of lifelessness. Zombie-like people. And it's the same in Wales as it is here. It's not a judgment upon L.A., And I'm not just speaking about the homeless and the tragic stories that you can see and arrival, but, but you will know in your workplace, people are so focused upon the gods of this age. There's no life. There's no freedom. There's no joy. There's no peace. And I just want to finish by reading out Ezekiel 37, because I think there's great hope here. It's quite a known phrase, but as I was studying, it just struck me that like in our valleys and your valley here, it's full of dry bones. And we need the Spirit to awaken us, to take the dormant church and raise us from our sleepiness 
We start running like crazy disciples for Jesus. Little Jesus running out that will turn the world upside down. Let me read it. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit, and the Lord... (coughs) Sorry. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones... And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath. To enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and you will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I was as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. No breath. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe, and breathe on these slain, and that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the gra- your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves. And raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. And I will do do it, declares the Lord. The spirit is the initiator. We are to speak when he says speak. I love that idea. If I'd love Hollywood to animate that. <laughs> that's what the Spirit, that's what Jesus is wanting, is to raise people from the dead. It is the most magnificent thing to see people risen from the dead spiritually. Come alive. Hope in God, faith in Christ. Let me pray for you as you seek to make disciples in his name. Let's pray for us as we go. Father, we want to thank you that we, we get invited into this great commission to declare, to proclaim, to display the glory of Jesus, to make disciples of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we, get to procl- we not just get to receive this, but we get to go and share it with others. And I, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that this week you would continue to reveal the glory of Jesus to us. Personally, Lord, that we would be so filled 
with what you are doing and what you have done in our lives. That it would overspill into our communities. It would overspill into, into those lives that we are serving. Those lives that we are so desperate to see you come and bring change. Would you fuel us and equip us, Holy Spirit? We believe that you are here present. We believe that you are here present, desiring to reveal the glory of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do that. That even as we come and take communion, Lord, would it not just be another time where we take the bread and we take the wine, but it impacts our heart that we remember that your body was slain for us. That your blood runs so that ours did not have to. That we might live now free of the condemnation that was upon us. That we might go and live as children of God. Holy Spirit, come and serve your people that we might serve your kingdom well. In Jesus' name, amen.